This is the Shift Podcast. Tonight on the show, we did talk about quite a few things. We had some Are You OKs? And we talked about live, on the ground reporting of things happening. It all went down in Halifax, and you've got to hear it coming up on Are You OK? We also asked you the question, if Time Magazine has their person of the year, who is your person of the year? And also, as an Albertan, I was curious, what do Canadians think about Albertans? Like, truly, what do you truly think about Albertans? Has the perception been skewed? All of that is coming up on the Shift Daily Podcast. Uh, Since we're throwing out cheesy jokes, most of them Christmas related, might as well toss them your way too. You ready? Always. All right. Don't have a name for this one. Why did Frosty ask for a divorce? Uh, Why? His wife was a total flake. Oh. (laughs) Um, Why does Scrooge love reindeer so much? Why? Because every buck is dear to him. That one's creative. (laughs) <laughs> I like that. And it's, um, and it's wh- somewhat clean, too. Somewhat. somewhat. Why did the Grinch <laughs> go to the liquor store? Oh, I don't know. Uh, he was looking for some holiday spirit. <laughs> 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 what do you get when you mix a Christmas tree and an iPad? What? What? Uh, a pineapple. <laughs> uh, pineapple. <laughs> That one's particularly uh, appropriate a, for I like me. Got to tell you, I like that one. Don't know if you saw my my Twitter today, but I think I found my dream place. It was a pineapple field. It's amazing. Uh, um, okay, now this one you have to. I had to read it out loud because I read it. and I'm like, that's not funny. But then I said it out loud. And I was like, oh, ready? It's from Gary. Thanks, Gar. How many tickles does it take to make an octopus laugh? <laughs> do uh, I want to know? Uh, uh, yes, I do. How, how many? Ten tickles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh. I got. I got a good one for you. I All got right, a good shoot. one for you. Sure. Why not? All right. Have you ever tried eating a clock? Eating it's a very time-consuming. <laughs> <laughs> or did you? Uh, did you hear about that new broom that just came out? Just no, came out for Christmas. Really? That's weird because it's sweeping the nation. Oh, oh dear God! Yeah, I've got I've got one last one. <laughs> Dad jokes coming at ya. I got one here to to cap it all off here. All right, what do you get when you cross an elephant and a rhino? What do you get when you cross an elephant and a rhino? Elephino. Okay, 877-399-9898. How's the moon dial? Matt, is it time for our? Are you okay? Uh, let me check it. Hey, it works. It works. Are you okay? This one is different. Because we like old movies that come back, right? Movies or TV shows that are like reboots, if you will. The question really is, are you okay with reboots? But here's the thing. There's an HBO series that's coming back. We're going to do this. Are you okay? Backwards. It's K-O-U-R. And it is, um, we're going to play the clips first from similar shows. And you tell me if this is appropriate to reboot with before we tell you what it is. Okay, so here's the first clip. (laughs) 
I brought backup. You brought humans into our affairs? No, you did. When you sent me after Suki. On my command. Their bullets are wooden? With a silver core. Nothing but the best for my queen. That's a terrible accent for your queen. Ooh. Okay. Uh, is Do you think that's worth rebooting just from the clip out of context? Uh, oh, it doesn't sound that uh, that well put together, so I'm going to pass on that one. Yeah. Okay. If it was like well, a 1980s a... campy movie, yeah. Right. Okay. Oh, so here is uh, here's another one um, without knowing what it does or what it was uh, that may or may not be similar to this potential reboot that's coming. How did you get in here? The window. Do you do that a lot? Um, just the past couple of months. I, I like watching you sleep. It's um, it's kind of fascinating to me. Um, well, I just want to try one thing. Just stay very still. Don't move. Oh, the excitement. Oh, <laughs> my face hurts from cringing. Oh. Okay, um, and let's just do one more out of context, just to give you a bit of an idea of way what uh, this might be and whether we're ready for this kind of style of reboot. Uh, one more out of context clip. What is up with that family? They're not vampires. What the hell are they? Ooh, uh, maybe they're um, ninja turtles. You're not funny. Or no, zombies, werewolves. No comedic timing at all. So tell me. Are you ready for a reboot of potentially something around that? Um, I mean, I whether I'm ready for ready or not, I'm probably not going to be watching it anyway. Fair enough. So, hmm. yeah, let oh, right. let it happen. Whatever, I don't care. This one lands, I think, squarely in your generation, Ryan. So, um, worth it or not? Yep. I can attest to how the vampire craze basically polluted and absorbed the minds of everyone I went to elementary school with for at least five to six years. I don't know if I want to wish that on another generation. So I just, I'm not ready. I'm not right. ready. True Blood is back, according to the Hollywood Reporter um, reboot. Uh, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, who brought you the new Riverdale and Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, is working on a new version of the hit series about a bunch of vampires sexily skulking around Louisiana, and True Blood will be coming back in a reboot. <sighs> Riverdale is not Riverdale as we knew it, and The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina I have not seen. So they're all very, very dark. Everything he does is very, very dark. I would say we need more happy, positive shows for the kids. But there you go. Are you okay? There it is. <laughs> Are you okay with live action journalistic reporting? Like live on the scene? Yes. Oh, definitely. I, I guess, but sometimes there's not anything exciting that happens, you know, in a given night. So I guess it would depend. It would have to be either like an emergency or just 
nothing happening. You know, it's light and day. It's like going from a one to a ten. So that's what I get from that. I I kind of hear it like um, CNN has always got breaking news. Remember when breaking news was breaking news, and then you would hear breaking news, and you'd be like, "Oh, it's breaking news." Mm-hmm. You'd stop what you were doing, and you would watch it. But now it's just always breaking news on the screen. Like it's never not breaking news. So I would say that you know this live on the scene scenario is never really live on the scene. It's kind of like the Super Bowl where they're like, ah, we are live here for all the excitement of the Super Bowl. which starts in two days. Right. You understand? Mm. Mm. Yep. Are you okay with live action journalistic reporting? Well, in Nova Scotia, the RCMP were making multiple arrests as part of a long-term ongoing investigation into an organized drum dr- mm, crime and drugs in the province. Luckily for us, a couple from Halifax happened to be driving by and caught the incident on film, narrated it to as two police trucks hopped over the intersection right in front of them. What the f*** is going on here? Holy s***. Holy s***. Man, they got the cops on the ground and everything. Look, they flipped the car over. Look, they're beating them up. Filming. Holy s***. I'm okay with that kind of live action reporting. Yes. And by the way, in case, yes, she does, Sean. In case you were wondering. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, you know what? I think it would be so entertaining every now and then if you were watching a live report and the anchor and the reporter just started arguing, presents information, just no you're wrong it just immediately like if the story is boring then we can watch that instead i and if it's those two count me in all right we've got the new hosts in all the in all the conversations and arguments about privacy and cameras all over the world if cameras all over the world gives us that sign me up i want that Worth it. i want that i want the narrative i want to hear them real people seeing things happen and the uh, oh my god what the bleep Come on, Sean. Uh, <laughs> Holy crap. Would you look at that? <laughs> so Canadian. I love it. Over. Yeah, it was very Halifax, too, which was uh, that's how I found it was actually on the hashtag Halifax. Pretty cool story. Um, so people say a number of people that were arrested are in custody. Now, no charges have been laid at this time. There was a lot of cars and like literally cops. It was like out of a TV movie. They were jumping over the the medians and everything. As a result of the searches, what is believed to be cocaine and other drugs were seized, as well as firearms, and the investigation is ongoing. So thank you very much, Sean, uh, for driving by that one slowly. Appreciate that. Okay. Are you okay? Are you okay? Well, let's start it this way. Are you okay with monoliths? There's been a lot of monoliths. It's been a lot of just... I'm finding this whole monolith thing very strange, but entertaining. It's Mm. exhausting now. There's so many. What, you know, is it a trend or is it, is it a sign? Is this one person? Is this, you know, somebody sees it happen in Utah and think, oh, I could do that in my garage. This would be hilarious. I, I need to know more, but I know I probably won't for a long time. And that bothers me immensely. Well, I want to find out like if it was a well- 
organized collaboration. That's what I want to do. Okay, so here's the are you okay question. Are you okay? Are you okay with musical monoliths? There it is. Um, so these, I say yes. So these things sing? That's what they do? Well, they say they're musical. I mean, we have to wait for the story to find out the details, Matt. I'm okay with musical monoliths. I think monoliths are amazing. I think that if it's organized or not organized, it's fun. It's been something distracting. And if they play music too, I say absolutely yes. Give me musical monoliths. Mm -hmm. uh, silver structures known as monoliths have mysteriously popped up around the world from Utah to Romania to Manitoba and British Columbia. Could Toronto be next in Vancouver? A monolith located in Dude Chilling Park appeared this week but was subsequently toppled then in another such structure appeared only this time at Kitsilano Kitsilano Beach alright I love it uh, so what do we do next here right we got the clip is that where we're going well, yeah. So, I mean, there's some extra info in there that the first person who found the monolith, she put her ear up to it and it was making noises. It was humming. And she said the sound that it reminded her of was from Star Trek. Oh, okay. Like ourselves. Our civilization thrived for ages. But what is the life of one race compared to the vast stretches of cosmic time? We knew that one day we would be gone, that nothing of us would survive. So, we left you. Our scientists seeded the primordial oceans of many worlds, where life was in its infancy. The seed codes directed your evolution toward a physical form resembling ours. Now, that would be tricky. If you put your ear to the monolith, and it was just saying like i've been watching i've come here to speak to you Ooh. but didn't wasn't like on like a loop but it was just like so random like every three or four minutes it would just say i'm glad you found me right just kind of quietly like when you couldn't hear it unless your ear was right there and um see now that would trip people out big time way more that's how you do it that's how especially you do if it. it gave you instructions if it told you to do things or it had ideas Whoa. or it told you things about it, it's itself, they self, I don't know. It, it, that would spook me out. The fact that this one was making music or in sounds is the new thing though. None of the other ones have done this. That's right. Or it could also teach us all grammar. That would be all right too. <laughs> hey. hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do one more. Are you okay? Are you okay with driving to Alaska? Hell yes. I think that would be an amazing trip. Um, mm. 100%. And I think we'd even gotten some offers uh, earlier in the week when we proposed a, uh, a shift road trip. I think that would be great. I think it would be a caravan by the time we were done. Mm -hmm. It oh, would be yeah. one smelly vehicle. Yeah, it'd, it'd be, be a scary smart. sight at the Alaska border if you just saw a whole giant caravan of cars following a probably really old bus that had a bunch of satellites attached to the back of it. Mm -hmm. That'd be weird. Um, I wonder what if all the shift heads would look like if we gathered all in one spot. That would be interesting, too, from all across the country. Thousands mm. and thousands and thousands of people. I think we would probably cross all spectrums of, of humanity. 
Interesting. Anyway, Definitely. okay, so Canadian Ranger Gary Bath is being praised for rescuing a stranded American family by driving the mom and two children to the father in Alaska. What is this story? This is cool. Okay, so Lim uh, Marchiso was behind the wheel of a pickup towing a large trailer when she and her two children headed to Alaska to join her husband at the military base where he serves. The snow was heavy. The family was stranded. Luckily, the husband put out an online plea and Gary was able to see it. This is courtesy of CBC. I saw the post saying that a family needed help. So I took the time off work and went and drove her to Alaska. She started out in Georgia with uh, summer tires on her truck. She thought they were all seasons, but when she got to uh, 101, which is just past Fort St. John, she hit a snowstorm. But when she got there, she just, her nerves were shot. She couldn't drive any further. Somebody shouldn't have to go through that. She was a little nervous because, of course, we were strangers. We talked the whole way. The kids were playing games. It was 1,700 kilometers, which we did in about two and a half days. I wore gloves. I had a mask on. Lynn and the kids wore a mask the whole way. It was actually a great trip. How's that for humanity, man? Wow. There's a Canadian moment right there to be proud of. I love that. That is cool. 1,700 kilometers, a couple of days out of his life uh, to get them there. Hmm. That's amazing. That's dangerous. Oh, my God. All of our trucker friends would be like, that's crazy. And it is. Absolutely. This is the Shift Podcast. Time Person of the Year has been released while the different genres and the people. Before we get to that, though, we ask the question, who is your person of the year? If you had to pick one person that had the biggest impact on your entire year, who would that person be? And I don't know. I would like it to be a specific person, but we would, uh, we'll take whatever it lands. For example, anonymous person of the year, me, smiley face, smiley face on and on and on. (laughs) Technically, we did not say you could not self-nominate. Um, for shift head of the year, I would like to begin by nominating Roadhammer, Cat, and Catherine, uh, from Trucker Dan. Uh, thank you very much, Trucker Dan. Um, doesn't have to be just shift head listeners, but I love the fact that you're supporting the family here. The person of the year from Dwayne, my mother, a mother. Uh, hey man, absolutely support the moms. I would have to choose my wife, Erin, says Donnie. She is my staple. We have been through a lot this year, and she's always been by my side, uh, or my son Riddick's side, for the last four months. Uh, Donnie called us when he had when they gave birth to Riddick. I feel like we're part of the family, thanks to Donnie sharing. Um, my person of the year would be hands down the frontline medical personnel who have worked and, in some cases, overworked so hard during the pandemic. From Derek, I wish we had a specific one, Derek. Like I wish you could say, you know, Susie or Steve. That would be great. Uh, the shift with Shane. Hi, Steve and Coquitlam. My person of the year award goes to Winnipeg's own Kenny Omega. Honorable mention goes to the damsel in distress that couldn't get Irish spring soap during the first stage of the pandemic. She sounds like my dream girl. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Hmm. What else do we have here? Shift person of the year from Hank in Winnipeg. Nomination goes to Nate from Cleveland. From Hank in Winnipeg. Because that's that's totally, oh. you're busted, buddy. That's totally you, Nate. 
<laughs> nominating yourself. As Come someone on. who has signed a treaty with Nate, I would say Nate's, you know, he's he's doing pretty well. You know, he's he's got a good reputation here. However, he is a Cleveland Indians fan, so there is a possibility oh, that he may down. have uh he may have uh, you know, slicked in the little rules there. You know, I'm not saying I'm not accusing him. I'm just saying it is a possibility. <laughs> I um I would like to uh acknowledge the fact that you you can just self-nominate you don't have to you don't have to like you know have fake ballots in this election. Uh the my person of the year my wife uh excuse me uh, Larry in Winnipeg says my person of the year my ex-wife because she's finally starting a small business. I believe that she will have great success and I'm really and truly happy for her. Larry. That's great Larry. I love that. I love that you can say that. Um Alexandra says the shift studs <laughs> are the guys of the year. Ooh, I don't know. If, we're studs now. I don't know if oh. you've seen us though. Yeah. That's why we're on radio. <laughs> I don't um I don't know if ever in my life I've been called a stud. Just saying. That could be a first. It uh, wasn't me, I swear, Nate. You're Nate. <laughs> Nate's got a burner phone, him. so he can t- text us. But yeah. But Nate, you know, I, I would I would nominate him in. He's definitely in the up and up and running, the higher echelon of the shift head family. Mm-hmm. Our brother from from our neighbor from the next country over. Person of the year, Donald Trump from Granton Penticton. <laughs> um, yeah, hey man, you get to you get to have your vote. Not exactly. My father is the one. I am not homeless because he sacrificed many holidays and provide for his family. He was there when I needed uh, him the most. God rest his soul. From Catherine, your person of the year. Who is your person of the year? Well, Time does this every year. They release uh, the uh, the most influential, high profile, quite often most handsome or pretty people of the year. And uh, they've done it again. And here is the announcements from Mr. Bruce Springsteen. Good evening. The events of 2020 have changed us in ways that were unthinkable until this year. A once-in-a-generation health crisis has rocked our lives while also demonstrating the resilience of the human spirit. A rallying cry for justice and equality has rung out around the world. And across the nation, a record number of Americans made their voice heard, making history along the way. For nearly 100 years, time has named the person of the year. In 2020, the time person of the year is... President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. Well, there it is. That'll get some political responses for sure. I, I always get stuck on that because I'm not quite sure how they're the people of the year for just doing what their job was. Yeah. I guess I, it's... I always put on the go over and above thing, right? I mean, their job in their party was to get elected and to, to be the next uh, leadership organization of that country and they did that they did if you look into the article there's the one of the head editorials at time put an interesting point that every president ever has been on the cover of time magazine or since they started doing it i should say uh has been on the cover for time person of the year but the interesting thing that they said about biden is that he's the first president since lincoln who is really trying to uh fix the uh the division and the unity in this country 
that they're facing uh, addressing that idea. And they, that's one of the main reasons they picked him was that his uh, choices and his platform were a huge uh, turning point for America itself. So that's I can understand that angle, but I do also agree that they are just doing their jobs. And when you look at the other nominees for it, uh, I mean, Trump also nominated, but fine, uh, or Dr. Anthony Fauci and uh, protesters and uh, activists for racial justice, that is different. That is something more than just doing your job. Well, I would agree, but I, I mean, they... They haven't done it yet. They've said they're going to do it, I suppose, would be the, uh, you know, maybe it's maybe we're just talking about the same coin and just different sides of the same coin. But I, I just, you know, like I haven't quite figured it out because there are lots of people that did amazing, huge things all year and have the successes to show for it, not just an opportunity to do it. And I guess that's where I land with it is that, but it's not up to me. I mean, they get to do that. It's clearly politics at play too, because, you know, Trump, as far as I understand, has been on the cover of Time Magazine many times. Uh, but I don't know if he's ever been the time person of the year. So uh, he was in 2016. Play. He was, was in he? 20, okay. when, he when he won. Elected. When he won. Yep. Okay. There you go. Uh, person of the year, Justin Trudeau. Greg says, um, I have never been on such a roller coaster ride of events in one year. He votes Justin Trudeau for person of the year. Uh, Derek says, Alex Trebek should be um, on our person of the year. Um. <laughs> Uh, hey, person of the year should be our PM. Oops, you said shift head with an F. Wow. <laughs> 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 I like <laughs> it. That's funny. Uh, besides my 96-year-old mother, who always has an effect on my life, even from her care home, I think Dr. Bonnie Henry with her calming effect for person of the year. I would vote Trump for jackass of the year. Another texter says. Um. Don't pick on Nate. He isn't a Texas fan. My person of the year is Lady Catherine for valuing those of us on Night Shift with uh, excellent live radio. Wow. That's an inside comment. Thank you very much. Hey. I appreciate that one. Um, I really disagree with people of the year by Time Magazine. Thanks, Bill. I don't know what you... Um, um, I don't know what you mean by disagree with it, like disagree with them doing it in general or just the person they picked this year. But thank you for your text. We love you, Matt. Shane is Zach. Zach is Shane? Question mark. Uh, you okay? Might as well answer the question. It's there. I spent a long time in my music radio career with the nickname Zach. Or Z man, or Z, or whatever. So yes, from time to time, there will be um, the odd person that calls me Zach for that name. Shane is my name, my actual name, the real name. Like when I get in trouble, it's like Jade Russell from my mom. Um, that's my middle name, and so that would be. Uh, that would just, that's the thing. So that's, that's my get in trouble name is the Shane name when I get in trouble. 877-399-9898. Uh, calls and texts for um, the police story coming up for you in just one second. First though, let's quickly go to Gail in Toronto. Hi there. Hi Gail. Who's your person of the year? My person of the year is my neighbor. Okay. What's your neighbor's um, name? First name? His name is Josh. Okay. Tell he us has about a partner, Josh. Danielle. Mm-hmm. And when we got shut down in Toronto in, I guess, March, April, um, he has been getting my groceries ever since. Wow. Wow. Thank you very much, Gail, for sharing the story about Josh. Okay. Good night. That's wonderful. Beautiful story. 877-399-9898 in Surrey is Wendy. Hi. How are you tonight? I'm good, thanks. Who's your person of the year? 
My person of the year happens to be my sons, my grandchildren, CKNW, and, of course, the night shift. I don't know what I would do without you because with my herniated discs in my back and everything like that, I'm in a lot of pain. And I like to listen to you guys, and I like to listen to all the calls that come in. And I would say you guys are my people of the year. Oh, thank you very much, Wendy. Keep in mind, if you're on painkillers, the shift is better. We're way funnier. I'm <laughs> just saying. <laughs> uh, person, Bill clarified his text message saying, person of the year on how he didn't agree with it. Person of the year should be all the frontline healthcare workers and doctors. Thank you, Bill, for clarifying that one. It's the Shift Podcast. In Alberta, there have been so many things that have gone on in the last 10, 12 years. You know, economic downturn. Uh, there was... Uh, a change in government in Alberta that was incredibly difficult on oil and gas. The um, not only uh, green living, right, but then there's this eco alarmism thing that's also going on, and I separate those on purpose because they're two very different things. Uh, one is people who care and want to live responsibly, and other people which are profiting off of it. All of these things going on. You add in COVID. You add in towers in downtown Calgary are empty, like literally empty. And we sort of get this perception, and I've noticed that Alberta is, I don't want to say anything specifically because I don't want to lead you. I want to know what you think of Alberta. What do you think of Albertans? Is it a great place? Are they nice people? Or are they not nice people? Do they drive like jerks? I don't care. There were cars that were vandalized in BC with Alberta plates in the summer. And there's been so much going on now with COVID numbers being the highest per capita in the entire country for quite a while, too, even though it's only been on the news for a couple of weeks. Max Fawcett joins me now to talk about this. Uh, Max is in Alberta. I am in Alberta. We want to know. Max is a freelance writer, uh, was a former editor at Alberta, Alberta Oil Magazine, so he knows the uh, he knows the neighborhood. Also at Vancouver Magazine. Hey, Max. Hey, Shane. How's it going? I'm good, thank you. Um here we sit in Alberta. Do you get curious what other people think at this point um, of our dumpster fire of, of what I would say is kind of COVID arrogance? I do. I, I you know, I have friends in because I grew up in Vancouver and I've lived in Toronto and Ottawa. So I, I occasionally will get people, you know, texting, emailing, whatever, basically saying, you know, what is going on in your province? Yeah, uh, exactly. I get the same thing. Outside it, you know, I think it looks a little bit like a wounded animal sort of thrashing around a little bit. Um, you know, I think that the reality inside is, is, you know, as you know, you're, you're here as well is a little different, but for people who I, in Canada, who kind of got used to us being the, 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 you know, the swaggering uh, confident province where, you know, everyone was doing well and making money and kind of seemed like they had the, the world, uh, uh, you know, figured out to suddenly now be in the place that we're at today is it's a little confusing for them. And I'm not sure that any of us have really internalized just how much things have changed over the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. Well, you have uh, professors and politicians tweeting out incredibly nasty things about let Alberta figure it out on their own, right? Like there's been all kinds of things that have been set out there. Oh, yeah. um, and yet, you know, the, the deficits are remarkable. Alberta pays out um, equalization payments to other provinces, including Quebec, uh, valued at $30 billion a couple of years in a row, even though Quebec's profitable and Alberta is not. So, you know, there are lots of things going on, but I really am concerned because 
there was a, a moment I had on Twitter where I called Canada the left coast. Or excuse me, I called BC the left coast because I meant left as in left, yeah. like the left side of the country from above, right? That's how we look at the country. And the right coast, I know lots of maritimers have often said, you know, come to the right side of the country, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the right, it's the right coast to be on. And um, but the the audience member confronted me on Twitter saying, "Why do you call BC the left coast? Do you call Alberta the alt right?" Da 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 da. And the lens that he took was only Alberta is left, Alberta is right, and BC is left. Yeah. So he's clearly hearing from his own place. I mean, I can't change that. I can't change the fact that when I said left. You didn't hear left. You heard politics. Yeah. But that opinion's out there, man, in a big way. Oh, for sure. And, and you know, I think in, in some ways, Albertans have kind of, I don't want to say brought this on themselves, but certainly carried themselves in a way that, that makes Canadians maybe less willing to be generous and charitable than they should be. You know, you, you made the point about equalization. You know, Albertans, you know, we, we don't technically pay equalization to Quebec, but we pay surplus. We've paid more in taxes to the federal government than we've gotten back in services. And, and even since I've been in Alberta since 2010, that's, you know, well over $150 billion. Um, so that's basically a contribution we've made to the rest of the country that, that the rest of the country has used to, to do things with And You know, I don't think there's an, there's not a sense of appreciation for that contribution. Um, and there's not a sense of gratitude and a sense that, you know, now it's time to help Alberta out. We're, we're in a pickle. We need the help. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, that professor at the University of Ottawa who basically said that Albertans should, you know, figure it out on their own. That doesn't help anyone. You know, we're a country. We're a family. We should all be in this together. And, and you know, comments like that don't help. I, I will say, you know, that the current government it has been very successful for them politically to to be mad at the rest of the country. But I think that comes through to other Canadians. They hear us, our, our premier, always angry at Ottawa, always angry at Quebec, always angry at BC. And they kind of take it personally. They think, well, he's angry at us as as British Columbians, as Quebecers, as, as Ontarians. And I don't think that helps either. So I think we all kind of need to do a better job of remembering that we're a family and remembering that we need to speak about each other a little more kindly than maybe we have over the last 10 years. Let's take accountability for a couple of things. Um, it'll help filter some of the phone calls and texts that I get, <laughs> but it's true. These are true things. Um, Alberta needed to stand up in the marketing of uh, ethical product in the global landscape of what is, you know, oil and gas. They needed to. Calling it a war room and then getting into a fight with BC over Trans Mountain, um, didn't help the situation at all. It was terrible terminology. It was run terribly. Um, I still haven't even seen as an Albertan a benefit really that's come from it, um, aside from all the bad press they've got. There's that. Yeah. Um, there's all the fighting that you've spoken about and the infighting. Um, you know, and it, the previous government and the battles over <laughs> blocking wine and stuff was also absurd, right? Like these totally. these things are are not helping. COVID numbers approaching. Um, thank goodness. Uh, didn't cross it yet, uh, unless I missed some numbers from today. But, you know, approaching 2,000 when we're basically a third the size of Ontario. And if you took it, Ontario's tickling 2,000 cases a day. And if you took the same per capita, Alberta would be tickling 6,000 cases a day. Um, you know, our, we need to take accountability for those things. But at the same time, this is the government Alberta elected. This is the same province where that same government has not put down a 
province-wide mask mandate and is not doing anything uh, to deal with those things. So maybe we deserve it, Max. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I think, you know, I think we look around the world and no one really knows what to do here. I mean, yes, the Australians figured it out and good for them. They do happen to be on an island, which helps. Um, you know, but you look at Europe, you look at Sweden, you look at the United Kingdom, you look at America. Everyone has failed to varying degrees uh, because this is a really hard problem in a democracy. You can't just tell people to stay inside for two months. Um, you know, that, that's not how it works here. And and the, the, the damage would be uh, just mind-blowing if we did. So, you know, you have all these democratically elected governments that have to really walk a fine line. So I'm, I, I try to be really understanding of, of the challenge that politicians find themselves in. Um, you know, as to, as to the, you know, the war room and, and, and the oil and gas industry, look, I, I totally understand why people elected the government that they elected in 2019. People were tired of getting bagged on by the rest of the world for what they thought was the work that they do, which is the, some of the best work in the world. You know, our oil and gas industry is not perfect. Uh, but it is sure a lot more perfect than most oil and gas industries anywhere else in the world. And I think they got tired of apologizing for the work that they do and, and the, li- the livelihoods that they, that they lead. So I get that. I just don't think the fighting's helping. I think it's setting a tone in the rest of the country that's making it hard for us to, to move forward, to move ahead um, more productively. And, and that's what, you know, that's what I'm worried about right now is that we're stuck in this, this place where we're always angry. At, at, you know, whether it's Canadians angry at Albertans or Albertans are angry at Canadians and anger is not particularly productive as an emotion. I'd, I'd rather us get to a different place. And, and who knows, maybe with the vaccines and the pipeline, uh, you know, TMX gets put in service. Maybe we can kind of shift that a little bit in a little bit of a better direction. But I think we have a lot of fences to mend with each other in, the, in this country. It's not, you know, it's not just on us here in Alberta and it's not just on them in Ontario and Quebec. It's on all of us. Is it an Alberta Canada conversation? Is it um, just social media trolling that's sort of spilling over into real life? A little bit, yeah. I mean, social media is not the real world, and and when you talk to people in the real world, they they don't have the same level of of you know grievance and frustration and anger. I think as as maybe you you find the average person on Twitter might. But you know, I do think eventually the noise filters down. Um, eventually the, the heat kind of makes its way into, into everyday conversations. And, and I I don't know, like maybe there's, maybe there's value in, in creating a, an exchange program within Canada where you send, you know, high school students from Alberta to Quebec and you send high school students from Quebec to Alberta and, and try to create more of these human level linkages where we understand each other a little better because right now it really does feel like, you know, we are part of the same country, but we, we, don't understand how each other lives at all. It's a really good point. Um, there was a, a season there for sure where it was often called uh, Fort McMurray the capital of Newfoundland, right? Yeah. Because there was so many uh, Newfoundlanders that were in Fort Mac that were working and uh, traveling back and forth that, you know, those two provinces are forever connected now. I mean, with family members and between marriage and babies and family members moving to work. Uh, that's a great idea. Um, I don't know. I'm curious. I'm just curious the way it goes, Max. Um, I, I, as an Albertan right now with the COVID numbers here, um, we can't take it personally because COVID has no feelings. 
I've always fought for um, not calling it a second wave because that puts uh, sort of responsibility on the virus when really it's our behavior and we, we skirt responsibility when we call it a second wave. Yeah. Um, it's just our behavior. That's it. This is what our behavior has led to. Well, I mean, you know, um, it's, it's, it's the, the, the other side of the, I think the, you know, the, the sword, I guess that, that people love about Alberta, you know, we, we are independent, we are entrepreneurial. We, we, you know, kind of, uh, sometimes don't like to follow the rules. And I think that's put the province in a really good place in the past. It's why it's, a more entrepreneurial culture than, than I think anywhere else in the country. But when in this very weird space where it comes to a pandemic, it doesn't work, right? You know, being a rugged individualist does not work in a situation where, you know, you have a, a pandemic that requires everyone to sing from the same song sheet. And it, it, I'm not, I'm not sure there was ever anything we could have done to prepare ourselves for this. It's just an unfortunate part of, of who we are as, as a province and a people, and, and we're particularly vulnerable to its worst effects. Um, could the province have done more to, to show leadership? Maybe. Um, you know, we can, we can relitigate that down the road, but I'm hopeful that people can see that the end is in sight. You know, we have the vaccines, we know they're coming, people are getting injected already in the United Kingdom, and we can just kind of buckle down for the last couple, three months here and get through it with as little death and destruction as possible. And the unfortunate part is there's going to be death and destruction. You know, I saw someone on Twitter today saying, well, sure, you know, we need to, we need to do more, but can't we still have Christmas with our families? And it's like, no, we can't, we probably can't have Christmas with our families. You know, uh, as much as that sucks, we have to make some sacrifices. And, you know, I look back to my grandparents' generation uh, in World War II and the amount that they sacrificed to, to do what was right and win the war is so much greater than what we're not willing to do here. You know, if you, if my grandfather was still alive and, and I told him, well, you know, the government wants us to not do Christmas together, but I don't really want to do it. He would hit me upside the head. You know, mm -hmm. uh, he'd be like, come on, get your, get your act together. And I just feel like we need that a little bit of tough love here um, to get us through to the end. Yeah. And we're also in that conversation of generations comparing years of sacrifice versus a holiday. Um, because most everybody got Thanksgiving. So yeah, exactly. um, even though it's been eight months of sacrifice for so many businesses, when it comes to our personal family sacrifice, it truly has really only been um, a handful of moments, uh, as hard as that is. And I don't diminish the the hurt that people go through, but comparatively speaking, wow, uh, so different. Max Fawcett, thank you so much, brother. Um, I appreciate the conversation. I'm curious. I I really am curious as to where it goes. Max is a freelance writer and former editor at Alberta Oil Magazine and Vancouver Magazine, so he understands both sides of the conversation. He's lived both sides of, of, of this. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Shane. I appreciate it. This is The Shift Podcast. Sometimes behind the scenes, things get said just as random as the text messages that come in out of the blue, like, Matt, I would like to be your love donkey or whatever that text message was earlier. Oh, a uh, love child. Oh, is that what it was? Um, have your love child. Have and so sometimes child. the way that this works is that we can sort of hear each other in our ears and we sometimes forget that we can hear or we just say random things out of the blue. <laughs> and Matt, tonight, out of the blue... I'm sitting here and I'm sort of, you know, working on some podcast stuff and typing away. And I hear, man, I smell bad. 
<laughs> well, it was, I was wondering this aloud because I had a shower today, and uh, and I swore that I'd put on my deodorant, like I'd done all of the requisite stuff that I had to do to make myself not smell bad, which is not much, but I just mm. I just I've smelt myself as you do to check if you're you know mm-hmm. all there and. And it's just, I was disappointed. I was disappointed with what I smelled. What was the um, What was the determination? It was. Uh, is it the deal? What you? What happened? Uh, it's not the shirt. It's not the clothes that I'm wearing. It's my body. I think oh, I for, I think I forgot to put on deodorant today. Hmm. There we go. Now you know. There's the answer. Random behind the scenes. Uh, now you know. Um, pieces of the show. This time of the show. We get ourselves into, I hear a guitar in the background. This is good news. Uh, we Ooh. get ourselves into Ryan O'Donnell, and in case you missed it. In case you missed it on the radio, here's Sneakers O'Donnell. I like that we just Ding. took out the Ryan. I like that we just took out that. You could honestly, I'm okay with that. And I love the live version. As always, Matt. Thank, thank you. you. Hey, thank you. <laughs> so I have a lot of stuff tonight. Today or Thursday, I should say, was probably some of the best Ryan focused news I've ever seen consistent in my life. Let's just jump into it. So the Game Awards, we've been talking about it a bit this week. They happened. A lot of stuff, important stuff was announced. Unfortunately, for that one listener who's obsessed with Elden Ring, no trailer or info. We were absolutely let down, but it's okay. It's okay. Well, it. Maybe the game doesn't exist. We don't know anymore. However, there was some amazing stuff that happened at the Game Awards. So first off, before I get into the cool actual pieces of information that was dropped, why don't I tell you some of the actual awards and stuff that people were able to get? So all of the winners accepted via online because of, you know, COVID and director for uh, director, not director. That's a new, I like that word. Director (laughs) Christopher, he should just change his name. Director Christopher you Nolan. A, you could be a show producer. Produce, producer. Director Sholin. Ooh. So anyway, Christopher Nolan, he announced who won the coveted Game of the Year award. And now the Game of the Year award goes to The Last of Us Part 2. Yes. Uh, again, uh, big congrats to all the other games we're nominated with. Um, everyone at Naughty Dog, I, I can't wait to hug and high five and get drunk with each one of you. Um, that's going to have to wait till next year. That was the best acceptance speech I have ever heard. Ever. Right? I'm uh, I'm thrilled. That was Neil Druckmann, who was the director and uh, writer of The Last of Us Part Two, a very controversial game. People either love it, like me. I think it's one of the best pieces of media I've ever ingested in my life. Or my brother, for example, who hates it a lot. Uh, so it's very controversial. Uh, I definitely think it deserved. It also won Best Game Direction, Narrative, Audio Design, Performance, and a new award, Accessibility. The game had a lot of really cool features. So if you were hard of hearing, it could change the way people talked so that there would be more animations in the mouth so you could actually read the lips. 
There's a lot of really cool things in there. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima, a really cool Japanese samurai game, picked up best art direction. Uh, you can head online to see a full list of winners. Uh, the cool stuff are the new games, though. So Mass Effect, a series that hasn't really been in the loop for a long time because it did really well on PS3 and 360. And then the PS4, Xbox One game, Mass Effect Andromeda was not very good at all. So they're bringing it back. No, no info, just kind of a neat little trailer. However, there's one game that got announced, a huge surprise. And I'm very excited because it's based on a classic 1980s horror movie see if you can guess it just from the trailer i had a real life once i had a wonderful girlfriend linda together we drove to a small cabin in the mountains necronomicon ex mortis the book of the dead <laughs> it seems an archaeologist had come to this remote place to translate and study his latest find it was never meant for the world of the living. The book awoke something dark in the woods. It took Linda. And then it came for me. I know exactly, and not just because I read it on the script here, but I know exactly <laughs> what that would I be. Would, I did not read it on the script, but I'm guessing with the Linda, it might be Linda Blair. No, it is the evil dead video game oh, i was going thinking linda blair a, ex of the exorcist hmm. oh okay fair enough yeah you, i kind of give it away as soon as you said the necronomicon uh yeah but, but i'm not that a movie, scary movie person i know i know uh it, the game looks like a lot of fun how it works it's an online multiplayer game you and your friends are stuck in the cabin from the evil dead and you have to just defend it from hordes of uh zombies so a lot of cool stuff at the game awards uh i'm just gonna actually jump to this next piece because i'm a huge star wars fan matt you also love star wars correct uh yeah i am a, a lifelong appreciator of the yes. star wars of the war of the stars well disney dropped a bombshell today 10 new star wars projects are coming like soon so there's a boatload of TV shows. They announced two movies. So the first Star Wars movies we're getting, the new ones, 2023 Rogue Squadron, which will probably be focused on a squadron of X-Wings, directed by the woman who made a woman. That should be neat. Taika Waititi, uh, Thor Ragnarok, What We Do in the Shadows. He's making a Star Wars movie. No extra info in there. But it's the TV shows that got me very excited. Ahsoka. A new original series starring uh, Rosario Dawson, which is set around the Mandalorian. If you're watching that, that is happening. Ahsoka is an amazing show from the animated Star Wars Clone Wars series, who has gotten a lot of fan love and is now getting her own show. Finally, uh, one really cool one is Andor, which is based off the character Cassian Andor from Rogue One. He was a rebel leader and fans loved him so much that he's getting his own uh, 12 part miniseries uh, and they got a little clip. Uh, they put it out of how the show's going to be put together. Everything I did, I did for the rebellion. Rogue One, in many ways, it's a film that connected new audiences with the, the oldest fans. 
bittersweet feeling, you know, on the premiere, knowing that it was just one film. But then magic happens, right? As you can see, we're getting ready. We're building stages. We're rehearsing. We're training. We're trying costumes. We're doing everything to make sure we do the best show. I'm really excited having the chance to explore ASEAN. It's really fun to go on a set that is emulating something you like so much. The enormity of this is like doing a big feature film. It's very cinematic. For me, that's where the excitement is. 12 episodes, 12 scripts, over 200 named cast members, over 6,000 crowd people, a lot of creatures that come in from the creature department. We treat this exactly like we would have, would have filmed. There is no difference in our approach. Should be pretty cool. I like the rebellion angle a lot, and uh, he's a great character. I loved Rogue One, so it'll be good. However, there was one piece of news that I literally screamed. I screamed. There is an Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, yeah, get ready. There is an Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show. It's been in development for ages. They went back to a bunch of rewrites after the last couple Star Wars movies got negative reaction. Uh, It's ready to kind of finish up production, and they made an announcement today. The Disney is bringing back an actor from the prequels who will reprise his role. What role? Matt, you have the clip. Be my guest, please. Oh. Oh, yeah. Hayden Christensen. Anakin Skywalker himself will be back as Darth friggin' Vader in the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show. I know he gets a lot of bad rap, but honestly, I've watched the prequels a million times. He's really not that bad. Go back and watch them. It's kind of fun. The writing is a lot of the reason why it comes off kind of cringy. Not really his fault. So to see him play Darth Vader with a probably much better script and more uh, as more of an adult actor now too... I think it's going to work. I'm really excited. There was so much Star Wars news, man. Like I have six other things that I can't even get to, but go on Twitter and look at all of them. There's also a Star Wars anime that's happening now. It's, it is a very good time to be a Star Wars fan, a very good time. So, I love how excited you are. You are genuinely excited oh, about this. Oh yeah, and, and it's going to get oh, yeah. better because I know it's coming up. And I could, oh yeah, I could believe you when you probably like shrieked when you, uh, <laughs> when you oh, saw yeah, the yeah, Vader yeah. news. Oh yeah, You're even pro- uh, yeah, there it is. Thank you. <laughs> it's the best sound. It's just oh man. You know, during the hardest points of my life, if I had a bad day, I'd just go on and put Empire Strikes Back and I'd feel better. That's what those movies mean to me and the fact that I can keep experiencing new Star Wars content in my 20s. I'm very lucky, very lucky to be alive right now. Uh, now, can you guys guess what time of, in case you missed it, it is? Uh, shoe time? Oh, It's shoe time. I made, a, I made an intro and I promise this is the last time I'll ruin a song. <laughs> Santa baby just slip sneakers under the tree for me. All right, that's the last time I'll do that. I I promise. I promise. It's a lot of fun. So I do have really cool sneaker news that I imagine a lot of people will appreciate, even if you don't really love shoes, because this has to do with Terry Fox. Every Canadian knows who Terry Fox is appreciates what Terry Fox did and what he stands for. So Adidas, back in May, they released a shoe that was a direct uh, 
reissue of the shoe he actually ran the marathon of hope in it's an adidas old model very old-fashioned running shoe uh by today's technology standards and all that not very comfortable but they released them and they sold out instantly terry fox's own brother could not get a pair of these shoes they were gone immediately uh but there was a lot of hype behind them because it means a lot to canadians and it's a cool piece of canadian uh history to kind of own and have a piece of you look down and you can remind yourself of someone who really mattered and really made a change so adidas clearly saw this and has decided to bring more terry fox inspired products to the line now i will mention that all the proceeds of these shoes and the clothing go to the terry fox foundation so adidas doesn't make a lot of money on these but it does get them a lot of clout uh, no kidding so there is a new terry fox inspired shoe coming out and it is beautiful so the ultra boost dna this is a running shoe you probably see all the time and don't even know it it's one of the most popular running shoes in the world it has been dropped in a Terry Fox color. So it's the dark blue and white that he ran the Marathon of Hope in, in the original shoe. The tongue tap has a very, very tasteful golden maple leaf printed on it. On the bottom, it says 40, uh, 40 years of the Marathon of Hope. All proceeds go to the uh, Terry Fox Foundation. They're really cool. And the good news is if you do really want a pair, they're not sold out. You can buy one right now. There is one caveat. They retail for $250. They are not cheap. The reason for that is the Ultra Boost technology, the cushion. It's a very comfortable shoe and it's designed for running. Uh, it's a shoe I, I, I'm honestly considering buying because I missed out on the original uh, Terry Fox shoe because it sold out instantaneously, but you can get them on Adidas Canada today. And uh, that is my nerd session for today. I think I've, I'm all nerded out. Everything I love in life has been talked about I have a Lego story here, but it's three minutes. It's too long. So just know that I was also going to Sunday. talk about Lego. Just uh, save we'll it do Sunday. We'll do Lego on Sunday. Yep. Yeah. Lego on Sunday. Recycling. Recycling. There we go. We'll Recycle use plastics. it uh, and push it all forward. In case you missed it, uh, Ryan's expensive habits, kind of one in the same. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.